right, the last one in Lesson 12, Colossians chapter 4 tonight. We're going to take the time as we've started to do recently and just do a survey over what we've covered. It's been many weeks and and a lot of things covered, a lot of depth that we've gone into and and uh, after doing, diving in, uh, I think it's better to get a higher level view as we've been doing recently. So uh, Colossians chapter 4 verses 2 through 6. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. With all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time let your speech be always with grace seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer every man let's go ahead and pray Heavenly Father we thank you for our time here we thank you for your word that you've given to us and preserved we thank you for Uh, this lesson here covering prayer and covering how we can be a witness to those around us lord just pray that you'd fill me with your spirit and help your word to go forth in jesus name we pray amen may be seated and there's the little remote thing All right, so we're going to, as I said, we're going to survey Lesson 12. Interestingly, I wrote Lesson 13 in my notes, and I think Brother Dennis pulled up Lesson 13 slides. So we're looking forward to Lesson 13 here. A little too much, but watching, waiting, watching, walking, and witnessing is our lesson here. So first bullet item is the believer's prayer life. And things I just want to talk about here are why do you pray? I want you to just personally consider what are your motivations and reasons for praying. Why do you do it? Is it for something you can get out of it? Is it self-serving? Is it motivated by self selfishness? Or is it motivated by honoring God and, and glorifying Him? So it's not wrong to ask for things for yourself. Sometimes there are needs that are out there, and those needs and even some wants can be used to glorify God. So I'm not saying that asking for things for yourself is necessarily a bad thing, but what is the purpose? Who, who is to get the glory out of this prayer? We ask for healing often in prayer. We've done a lot of that recently, and uh, the Lord is gracious sometimes and grants that other times does not, but gives us the peace to uh, persevere through anyway. Um, but consider your motivations for praying. Who is it? Who is it? Who's the beneficiary of this? Should we say? Is it, is it for God's glory, or for my glory, or individuals' glory? Is it for selfish reasons or not? And another question to consider too is: What is the health of your prayer life? How is it? How is it? How are you doing? Are you talking with the Lord daily, moment by moment, or is it something that you've let slide? Why is it important? Well, your prayer life is your connection with God. It's how you talk with God. Right? God has not physically manifest himself on here. I can't talk to him face to face at this point. Uh, one day the Lord will return. We'll see Christ face to face and be able to talk with him face to face. Until that point, our communication channel with God is reading his word and through prayer. So how is your prayer life? 
It's a way that you can share with him what's on your heart. He already knows it, or he wouldn't be God. But you need to know that he knows it. And by praying and sharing what's on your heart, you can know. Now with your heart, guard your heart against sin. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 79, we all pretty much have this one memorized. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? But verse 10, the Lord can. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. The Lord knows your heart. God knows the heart of every man. If we back up, Jeremiah 17 is a, is a really fantastic passage. And I don't want to go into it. I could have, if this wasn't a survey lesson, at this point we would have been looking at Jeremiah 17 a little closer, just in the day and age that we live in. But God knows the heart of every man. Jeremiah 17:5. if we back up there, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart, whose heart departeth from the Lord. Think of what's gone on today, if anybody's paid attention to what's happened in our country today. There are people in our country right now that are 100% fully trusting in the arm of man and thinking that this is the way to their salvation. They're trusting in these marchers and protesters today. Uh, I have a friend, a good friend, a good Christian brother uh, from North Carolina who travels the world travels the country preaching the gospel and he and some of some of his friends and 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 fellow missionaries traveled to dc today or yesterday and they brought out their half mile hailer and a few signs Uh, there was one of them a great background shot he's holding up a, a white background board with blue lettering that says repent and in the background you see the entire MAGA crowd and the capitol building dome as a sign of this is what you actually need. This nation needs repentance. It doesn't need a particular man in the presidency, or not, or someone else. It's, we're in, our, 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 our country is not great because of who is in it. It's great, it was great, because of who it, who it looked up to, looked up to the Lord at one point, not anymore. These protesters and people that are there did some wicked things today, which I condemn. That's not Christian behavior. And um, I have some searching to do there as far as just our country's history in general that I need to study a little bit in light of biblical context to to see where we are. But Many of these protesters heard a gospel message today from these these men that went there and preached it. And they said, just like if they had gone to Charlotte or they had gone to anywhere else in the country where there was a Black Lives Matter rally, people were cold there to the gospel. So it's not just people on the left. It's not just people on the right. It's this country in general has a cold heart towards the things of the Lord. And that need <laughs> that needs to change. So pray for repentance in our country and a turning back to the Lord. That's what will that's what will turn us around.
All right, so Psalm 66.18, still speaking of the heart. Uh, 66.18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Now we're back on prayer. So prayer is our, right, we said it's our, our way to communicate with God now. And I compared it at the very beginning of this lesson. I said I would go into Shannon's theorem and do some kind of technical talk on engineering things, but we'll just gloss over that for a minute. The basic idea is there is a transmitter. You could say that's we are serving as a transmitter and as our prayers toward God. God is the receiver and a communication channel in between, some medium in between. Now, a healthy prayer life has all sin confessed. You're right with God, as far as you know. And in that case, God will hear your prayers. But if you regard iniquity in your heart, if you're holding on to something, if sin is in your life, there's that one little thing you don't want to give up, God says he won't hear you. That communication channel has a block in it. I would call it an attenuator brick wall filter. Like none of your prayers are getting through there. The noise power of sin is greater than the signal power of your prayer. And it's not making it there. So how do you resolve that? Confess your sin to the Lord. Repent of it. Ask for forgiveness. All right, moving on. So lesson one here, we have A, constant, as far as verse two here. Believers must continue in prayer even when they feel like giving up. So constant. Colossians 4.2, continue in prayer. And this has the idea of being about and in the habit of communicating with God in prayer. Be ready at a moment's notice to pray. Right? It's, it's a habit that's within you. It's part of your daily walk. The things that you do, the things that you're known to do, that you're in communication with God. You have all your sin confessed to him as far as you know. You're right with the Lord and you're talking with him daily as you would a friend. Make seeking God in prayer the first thing you do in all things, great and small. And I know we talked about this quite a bit when we went over this lesson here, but, um, and I'll review that here in a minute. But another, another passage that came up is 1 Chronicles 16, verses 10 through 11. And this is paralleled in uh, Psalm 105. But it says, this is a Psalm of David, giving thanks to God. Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. So David is here and he's giving praises and thanks to God. He is, he is imploring people here to seek the Lord and his strength. God is the one that moves things. God gives you all your abilities. There's nothing of us that we can glory of of our intelligence, of our means, of our uh, stature, any of these different things that men might look to to point to and say, I'm smart, I went to Harvard, or I went to, I have this many degrees, or I became an admiral, or I became this or that, or any of these things that men might boast of. I'm a senator. Any of these things. I'm president. Any of these things that God might, uh, that you might boast of in yourself and that the world does so often, are given to men by God. But we are to seek the Lord and seek his face continually. 
don't stop. This is part of this communication aspect here. Continue in prayer. It's a habit. Make it a habit. It should be. In Judges 19 and 20, we, we took a look in, at this time, uh, looking at how Israel made a mistake of not seeking the Lord first in humility. Uh, Benjamin had done some wicked things and not allowed the punishment to go forward. And Israel got really mad. Israel got really mad. We'll talk about that in a minute. But Israel got really mad, and they went off, and they said, we're going to punish Benjamin. And they got, they got whooped, <laughs> clear and simple, twice before they actually sought the Lord. So they went and said, we're going to do this of our own might. And then they kind of half-heartedly sought the Lord, and finally, first and foremost, sought the Lord, and the Lord gave them victory over Benjamin. And this, this was contrasted with Nehemiah seeking the Lord first in prayer before going to the king about rebuilding Jerusalem, all through Nehemiah chapters 1 and 2. And he ends his uh, portion here. Well, it's not really the end, but it's the end of the beginning. Nehemiah 2, 4, and 5. Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? Now contrast that with what Israel did with Benjamin. You're, you're getting this question here. What was the first thing Nehemiah did? So I prayed to the God of heaven. This is the first thing that Nehemiah did. And said unto the, and then he said unto the king. So write those, those Lord help me prayers in the moment. Never let the saying, well, the only thing left to do is pray, cross your lips if you call yourself a Christian. It's the first thing you do, should do is to pray. Seek the Lord first. Don't be like Israel in their wicked chast attempted chastisement of Benjamin. Be like Nehemiah. All right, so what will unbelievers notice in the lives of those who have consistent prayer lives? So praying and redeeming those who pray consistently. Have a settled peace. Are joyful people, right? We settled peace and joy, right? If you have peace, you have joy. If you have joy, it's because you have peace. Go hand in hand. Have a thankful spirit. Can't emphasize that enough here. Prayer and thankfulness go together. We'll touch on that in a minute. Have an interest in others' needs. Right? It's no longer all about me and what I can get. Well, Lord, I really need this shiny new car, or I need a new house, or I need any of these things like this. It's more about, okay, Lord, you bless me. In whatever state you find yourself, how can I be a blessing? Help me be a blessing to someone else. Have an interest in others' needs and being able to pray for them. And we have three type text here. All right, so we'll move on to sub-bullet B, be alert. Colossians 4.2, continue in prayer and watch in the same. So constant praying is enhanced by our staying alert to what is happening around us. So you're, you're looking for things to pray for now. Well, how do you know what to pray for? You have your eyes open. Have your ears open. Have your heart open to the needs of others around you. 
So fees for this is an interesting way to consider it, how the how the lesson manual consider it. I want to take a, maybe a different tack, but we'll still go down this road. First Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant. Okay, so you're looking, and we all know the rest of it, for your adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion. But the, it has the idea, you gotta be up, you gotta be, you gotta have your head up. You gotta be looking around, you gotta have your ears open to what's going on around you. If there's sin approaching you, it's at the door, don't open it. Don't go there. So being watchful, watching the same. Some people that have to do some watching. Soldiers that stand opposed. Is that the correct terminology for soldiers? They stand posts? I believe so. Some, some stand watches and other, I think, is that a Navy term to stand a watch? All right. And um, so they stand their post watching for signs of the enemy. They're out in the field. They have a job to do, which is to have their head up, well, maybe down a little bit, but have their eyes open and ears open looking around for enemy movement. They have to be watching and looking around for things that are going to happen. Hunters. Anybody ever go hunting? A long time ago I did. Hunters alert to sounds and movements of game. Right? You're going walking down around with your shotgun on your arm like this, walking around, and the rough grouse pops out of the... If anybody's ever gone hunting back east, those things are crazy. <laughs> they jump off, they jump out, make a bunch of noise, and they fly off before you can go like, where was that? What was that? So, um, but be ready. Hunters are alert to the sounds and movements of game. Fishermen are alert to line tension. Right? It's all about, do you feel that little thing there? And oftentimes, I know you get tricked out by the waves or the, the current will start to tug on the line a little bit, and you haven't had a bite in a two hours. Yeah. And you're like, what is, 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 that, is that? Nope, that's not one. But here's the thing, when you're fishing and you're not alert, you might have a giant fish yank your pole off the boat and it goes to the bottom. We don't know anybody like that. <laughs> no, I'm teasing Brother Joe. Um, but being alert, the examples are somewhat dramatic here. Soldiers, hunters, fishermen. Being sober so that you don't have this, the devil, uh, like a roaring lion, lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. Being alert for him and his, and his devices. But being alert is not always this dramatic here. It's listening to your people around you, the things that you see. We've used the example of firefighters and police sirens. Say a prayer whenever you hear one of those. They're going somewhere to help somebody. They're going somewhere for a reason. They don't just, I think most officers and uh, EMTs don't just flip the switch just for fun. I think they're going someplace important. And the important part here is to be aware of opportunities to pray for others and that are all around you. People that you don't even know. Sometimes you're at the grocery store and you see a lady with her kids and they're struggling. One kid's thrown a fit. I know nothing about my, my kids are perfect. They never throw fits. Um, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a, maybe I'm stretching the truth there a little bit. The, uh, but you see somebody struggling and maybe it's, maybe it's a situation where you can intervene. Maybe it's not, but you can just pray for that person. They're struggling at this point that the Lord would help them make it through. Point C, thankful. 
Oh, let's finish on point B here. Constant praying is enhanced by staying alert to what is happening around us. And point C, thankful. <clears throat> Colossians 4.2 Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. And we've, we've talked about it a bit here, each of these lessons here, and having a thankful spirit uh, is, is something that comes along with the Christian life. If you're yielded to God, you are, you're right with him as far as you know. There's much to be thankful for. At that point, it's not about me. It's about starting to think of all the greatness and the goodness of God that he's shown toward me. Why me? Why is he good to me? Why is he a good God to those that, those that trust in him, that those that call out to him? Be thankful for that. And a Christian who is right with the Lord will be thankful. It's one of those things that comes along. So when Paul wrote to the Colossians, he was under house arrest. <clears throat> but this did not discourage him from being thankful for all that God had done. Right? The carnal Christian could be focused on, oh my goodness, what am I doing here? I'm a couple thousand miles away from home. I'm restrained to not leaving this house, whether I'm in shackles or not. Um, woe is me. Right? The carnal Christian's phrase, woe is me. But his situation didn't discourage him for, for being thankful toward God. He didn't grumble. He was instead grateful toward God and all that he had done for him. We often find it easiest to pray and be thankful when things are going well. Anybody ever been there? When all the, the sun is shining, sometimes here in Oregon, uh, when everything is roses, when everything... It's just going peachy. We have all these phrases and colloquialisms. It's easy to pray and be thankful then. But what about when it's not so easy? Do we still understand that we have a lot to be thankful for? That we've been blessed beyond measure? But thanking God in difficult times and circumstances testifies of a few things. It testifies of his sufficient grace and his sustaining peace, right? That peace that passes all understanding is yours if you trust in the Lord and you're thankful to him. Thankful spirit will bring joy. It'll bring peace. All of these things that we had listed up there. All right, line, uh, and a, a grateful heart regardless of circumstances provides a strong testimony of God's grace. And D, part D. <clears throat> Colossians 3 and 4, with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. So here, be specific in your prayers. If we're looking at things to do here, be constant, be alert, be thankful, be specific in prayers. Evangelizing the lost was first on Paul's mind. 
He's in Rome. He's under house arrest. What is his first thing that he's focused on here? He wants to make sure other people hear about Jesus Christ and get saved. He wants to tell them about the death, burial, and resurrection of the Son of God, who that you're placing your faith and trust in him. He forgives you of all your unrighteousness, all your sin, cleanses you from it, gives you a home in heaven, gives you his Holy Spirit, gives you so much. The best things, the best thing. He wanted, that was, that was the first thing on Paul's mind, above his own freedom. Right? We had a question, what might have been the uh, first, first thing that he would have asked the Colossians to pray for? And I think most all of us answered here is freedom. Well, it's one thing to have freedom to roam about, go places and do things, and not take the opportunities to evangelize, to share the gospel. Maybe we have a little, little bit too much freedom in that we can go different places and we can, we can tell other people. There are other people in other countries that we can think of um, that have a, a bit more... Uh, that's the word I want to use they're persecuted Christians are there and it's not as easy to share your faith openly there we have great freedom here to go stand on a street corner to walk down a street to talk to somebody in the store even in the light of what we're all going through here and the world is going through with this, this uh, the disease that's going around <clears throat> but um what I want to point out here is that above all his own freedom, above his own freedom, he wished for more people. He desired to see more people saved, and he wanted the Colossians to pray for him. That in the, <clears throat> that in the state that he found himself, to be able to go do that, he wasn't going to let house arrest stop him. He wasn't going to let a little bit of a COVID lockdown stop him in, in evangelizing. He asked the Colossian believers to pray for opportunities to share the gospel right where he was in Rome. Take Paul's lead. Maybe we should take Paul's lead. The mission field is right where you are at any moment. You don't have to go across the sea. It's right here. It's right out that door. It's right where you are. And we talked about the acrostic acts as a prayer template, A-C-T-S. And the example was from Nehemiah chapters 1 and 2. We won't go into it too deeply other than to say that the acrostic stands for acknowledge God for his holiness, his majesty, his glory, his righteousness, all of his characteristics. Acknowledge God for who he is. Confess, see, confess your sins to God. You know, you need to, if you want to have this prayer communication channel unblocked and, and your signal to noise ratio at the, you know, we're peeking that out. You've got to confess your sin to God. Not to me, not to a priest, not to a man. They can do nothing for you. God is the one who forgives sin. Confess your sins to God. T, thanksgiving, or thanks to God. Thank God for his mercy, grace, goodness, blessings, etc. Just all the goodness that he's shown toward us. And S, supplication, or your requests. Humbly make your request known unto God. Acknowledge God. Confess your sins, thank God, and make your requests known unto God, your supplications. And what you notice out of these things here is most of the focus is on God, right? You acknowledge God for who he is. You confess your sins to God. We're focusing on God here and asking for forgiveness. 
thanking God for his mercy. And then after that, portion of our prayer is what we're petitioning for, petitioning of him for. And maybe if we look at the look at prayer this way, I mean, the Lord had given us his model prayer, uh, Jesus did. But if we consider things like this, maybe praying toward this end might lead to more God-honoring prayers and less self-serving prayer. If the, if the prayer is simply like, Lord, give me that thing over there, amen. We've kind of missed a few things here. Lord is not your magic genie that you just pull out the lamp and rub it and he pops up and gives you a wish. Uh, that's not our God. So be careful in that. Honor God. All right. Believers' prayer should be focused on spiritual, not just physical needs. Believers should ask God for boldness and open doors in witnessing. And uh, item two, the believer's public life. Walk wisely. Colossians 4, 5. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. So the things that you're about in your daily life, the things that you do on a daily basis, whatever it might be, do it with the wisdom of God. Do it for God. Do it as unto the Lord. Be upright and God-honoring in all your doings and understand that the lost world around you is watching. If they know you're a Christian, they could be extra critical. They could be looking for that one flaw and see, here, I know that Christian, I knew a Christian once and they did such and such. They're hypocrites. I won't go to church because there are hypocrites in church. I think it's been said here before, there are hypocrites in Walmart. But people still go there. But still, we shouldn't give cause to bring shame on the on the name of the Lord by our conduct. Be upright in all you're doing. And we went through and talked quite a bit to our country, and we see it as much as we did today. Our country is wicked, and it doesn't matter which side you're on the right side or the left side it doesn't really matter our country is wicked and it needs a faithful witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ that's what this country needs it doesn't need more protesters it doesn't need Christians standing up and demanding XYZ from our government it's there are things that our government has allowed to go on that are God uh, dishonoring put it politely mildly gently and of those things it is for us to vote for godly people and godly uh, men and women to serve uh, serve as our representatives to move those things out of the way to pass more godly uh, legislation for we in Oregon here that have ballot initiatives to prayerfully consider them, to consider what uh, what would honor God 
and vote accordingly. Our methods are not violent, running around, smashing things. This is what the lost world does. If the lost world sees Christians doing this thing, it degrades and, and, and demeans the name of Christ. Shame on Christians that do that. It's a responsibility of Christians to lead holy lives and not bring shame to our God. So be careful. Be careful in these times. But through our passive and active witness of the gospel, right, the life that you live around you, what people see, how, you, how they see you act in public, I'm trying to use big words here, but I'm going, my mouth, my brain has stopped my mouth from speaking some big words here that I'm not sure are the correct ones. The way you act, the way you conduct yourself <coughs> is, our, is our passive witness. Our active witness is, friend, have you heard about the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ? How you can know that you'll have your sins forgiven? Talking somebody one, one-on-one, an active witness to them. Through our passive and active witness of the gospel, we may have the opportunity to lead somebody to Christ, and that's a wonderful thing. To to know that you can share the gospel. First, do you know it yourself? Well, first of all, if if you're born again, you have a testimony. You know how you got saved, and you can share that with them. Beyond that, you can memorize some scripture be able to point to them in the Bible. Often it's great to have a Bible with you and in this day and age we have smartphones, have, have scriptures available on your smartphone. Let me show you where that is in the Bible. Open up your Bible and take them over to this. It's, it's, a, it's a major powerful tool for somebody to see it and hear it at the same time. You can, they can follow along or you can read it to them out of the Bible or they can read it themselves, but hearing and seeing the Word of God is a powerful thing. Take the, and, and having that opportunity to lead somebody to Christ, that's what's there is if they've done that sincerely and they've placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they become a child of God. They, they've been snatched out of the jaws of hell. The the analogy that I have to this is the world around us, the lost world around us. Anybody ever have a rubber band break on you? An old one, right? They get a little, you try to stretch them out and you see the little cracks in them. And eventually that little rubber band is going to go pop. Imagine <clears throat> that you have a whole row of little rubber bands. You've, you've pegged them to a board. And hanging from there is a person, oblivious metaphorical person hanging from there oblivious to the danger below which is hellfire and some of these rubber bands are really the really thin ones some of them are good size some are long some are short some are big fat ones but they're all going to eventually decay and in those cases the weight drawn on this rubber band eventually will dry out some people will have more time They'll have that big fat rubber band that's going to take a little, maybe a little bit longer, is a little stronger. Some will have less time, the little skinny ones. But eventually, their time will come. Their number will be up. Their rubber band will snap. 
and they will either, if they are still there, if they haven't been taken off that hook and placed in, in, in God's tender hand by faith on Jesus Christ, they will drop into an eternity of hellfire. And that's a sobering thing to consider. So it's our responsibility as Christians to lead holy lives, to look for those opportunities to pray for people, to passively witness and most importantly actively witness of Jesus Christ. To this end, be constant, alert, thankful, and specific in your prayer life, considering what's at stake for someone. Living changed lives opens doors for witnessing. That's our passive witnessing. All right here. So praying and redeeming. Those who redeem the time. We had here walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. Those who redeem the time make plans to spend time with the lost. Right? We can't just all hang out with everybody at church all the time. But I'm not saying go to the bar either. You know people that are lost. Spend some time with them. Be an influence on them for good. Practice sharing their testimonies. Develop a plan for witnessing. What are you going to do when somebody asks you, why are you so cheery? Well, let me tell you why. What are you going to do when that happens? Develop a plan for witnessing. Take any evangelism training avail available to them. Um, we've gone out witnessing in the past, door knocking. That's great evangelism training on the job. Walk around and you get to hear and see how to do it. It's, uh, it's a good, good way to learn. Hopefully we can get back to that soon. And pray for opportunities and boldness in your witness. Oh, and carry your Bibles with you as well. We're blessed in America. Many of us have multiple Bibles in our houses and, and uh, available on technology that we can carry with us everywhere. There's, at this point, there's, um, for an American today, not really a reason why you don't have scriptures with you all the time. And only one type text here. <clears throat> and our last item here, the believer's public life, talk wisely. Let's see what this is saying here. Believers' words should contrast sharply with the world's corrupt language. And believers need to share the gospel in accordance with unbelievers' spiritual understanding. So our words should definitely be different than the world. Um, I met a man some months ago. Got to spend some time talking with him. and Very interesting guy. I, I like talking with different people, just one-on-one. -on -one. You get to know them a little bit more. The interesting thing about everybody is everybody's got a story. Everybody has a place where they're from, a place where they're going, a place where they are right now. And you can learn a lot of interesting things by just listening. And I spent a lot of time listening with this man and, and uh, enjoyed an enjoyable time and conversing about different things as well. And one thing that he noted was that, you know, you don't, you don't swear, do you? Because he was, he was quite a, I guess the analogy is a sailor in that aspect uh, of swearing up a storm, in that 
he noticed that that was something different and I mean we should we should guard our words I mean don't don't act like the world around you I mean we get frustrated I get frustrated there's some times when in my flesh I could say some pretty terrible things but you know I'm thankful that the Lord guards uh, the Lord guards my mouth guards my heart in that that instance but yeah just be careful of what you say uh, Colossians 4 6 let your speech be always with grace seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer every man so in addition to your actions make sure that the way you converse with others honors God publicly praise and thank God in your communication so it shouldn't just be well I'm thankful it should be thank God that such and such praise the Lord for this and that and and other times to interject conversations uh, about uh, just the joy you have and the peace that you have because that's what this world is looking for right now they're looking for joy in in gizmos and gadgets and electronics and whatever else in in alcohol and all kinds of different things to try to find joy but it's not found there they're looking for peace they're looking for contentment but it's not found in worldly things and 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 that passive witness of being peaceful and calm and having joy in in uh, in just adverse circumstances when everything is falling apart and still and still you have peace about it. In some senses, our country is falling apart, but each of uh, each of us here that knows Jesus Christ should have peace. We have an expected end. We know where we're going. The battle's already been won. It's just playing out. So the last part of the verse here, that ye may know how you ought to answer every man. How will you know how to answer every man? It's a question to consider. Well, you can pray for wisdom. can ask the Lord for help in a circumstance on how you should answer someone you should study your Bible know what it says hide scripture in your heart memorize it take the time to do it and what I was referring to earlier was James chapter 1 verse 19 wherefore my beloved brethren let every man be swift to hear listen there are a lot of people that are just ready to give you an answer out there. You say, well, good morning, and then how are you? And then it's, well, I'm struggling with this. And then they're not listening to what you have to say. They just start blurting out answers. Well, have you tried this thing or that thing or this thing? Just wait a minute. <laughs> I haven't even finished. The world wants to jump to a conclusion, wants to jump ahead But what we should do, as James is saying here, be swift to hear, be ready to listen, be patient. Sometimes there's somebody who's got a lot to say. There's a lot on their mind and you need to listen. Slow to speak. Consider your words and what what you might, if they're asking for advice or a solution, consider what they're asking for. Will, it, will this advice, is it biblical? Is it guidance that seeking counsel 
uh, in a manner that, that requires counsel, godly counsel. Be slow to speak. Consider what you're saying. Make sure you've prayed for wisdom. Make sure you know what the Bible actually says. And so slow to speak and slow to wrath. How much better would our country be if we did all these things? Right now, just from a purely secular perspective, slow to, or swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. How much better off would we if we spent more time listening than we did talking? And how will you know to how to answer every man? Well, it's best to quote scripture in scriptural matters here and let God do the work. 1 Peter 3.15, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Be ready to do that, but do it from a scriptural context, right? If it's somebody asking you about salvation, why do you have peace? And you're able to take them down the Romans road or some other way that you may know to lead somebody to the Lord. Take the time to know it. <clears throat> Answer with scripture. And that's going to speak volumes more than, than the wisdom you, ha- you would have. Well, just pray this little prayer and then you get to go to heaven. No. It's not about any prayer, any words, or any works that you do. It's about what you're, what you're, do- what you're placing, your, who you're placing your faith in, ultimately. And that's a change that's made before any words can come out, as far as I can tell. The words just confirm what's already in your heart. But it's best to quote scripture. The Apostle Paul wasn't one to mince words or to overlook the fact that believers should lead a lifestyle far different from that of unbelievers. Colossians, these verses here, verses 2 through 6, may convict us. Maybe there's some things that we need to look into to improve our prayer life, our communication with God, to be ready to share the gospel with someone else. Maybe there's some improvement that we can have there. Maybe there's some people that we need to pray for. Maybe there's some opportunities that we need to grab a hold of to be able to witness to others. But the scripture here was written for our good and for that, for the sake of the lost, that they may too come to believe on Jesus Christ. Right, Paul, in prison, is asking for prayer to be a witness of Jesus Christ. His focus, that's what his focus was on. What's our focus on? Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for this study here in Colossians to be able to review these, these verses here. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to, to draw closer to you in prayer, to, to know you better to look for those opportunities and praying for uh, witnessing times that we can witness to others, Lord. Uh, There's a lost world out there, and and our mission field is right here. Lord, help us to be faithful in that. Lord, we pray now that you would would take us home safely. If you tarry, bring us back again on Sunday. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.